we might as well get started. More people, I guess, will show up as we move on. Okay. Um, but I do want to say welcome to the Twitter spaces. Um, this is being done by Locked On Ole Miss. You're, you're Ole Miss every day. Um, thank you very much for tuning in, Chase, because I can um, announce you singularly by name. Um, but um, the weather forecast for the Ole Miss or Arkansas game is about 50% rain. I didn't notice that. Um, but they did say the high temperature that day is going to be about 80 degrees. So it's looking like it's going to rain. So it's looking like it's going to rain. So take that for what you will. Now, now, here's my thoughts that I've been giving, giving on the quarterback competition. And other people might not agree with this. And it's not that I'm rooting for one, rooting for one quarterback or the, or the other. I just want this quarterback competition to be over because I think there's more important stuff that they need to take care of that can't until that is done. So I, I, I'm not a fan of what they're doing. If, yeah, my whole opinion is if you didn't, if you laughed and snickered when Jim Harbaugh made his announcement, which everybody did, you're not about not allowed to really defend what we're doing because it's kind of the same thing. That's just my opinion on that. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's exactly the same thing, you know. Uh, and, I, and I was one that kind of laughed and snickered at it, uh, you know. But at the same time, it just kind of tells you that nobody's really taking control of this job, you know, which is kind of disappointing, you, you know, somebody to win it outside of – having the coach come out and just name somebody. Uh, but, you know, after this weekend, maybe we'll have a, a clear idea. You know, we've, we've talked about it a good bit. You, you have to have this settled and in place and kind of have things rolling almost on all cylinders by the time, time Kentucky rolls into town. That's that's the first big step for us. Yeah. And uh, do you have any thoughts on this, Chase? Yeah, I'm not really uh... – I'm not pulling for either guy in particular. Uh, I just want the best man to win the job. But I've got a question, Stephen. Okay. What do you think? Uh, I kind of see possibly what may happen is uh, Dart's going to get a little bit more PT than what Altmaier did in that first game. What do you think about that? I could see Altmaier going the first half and then Dart coming on in early there in the third quarter. I, I, I tend to agree with that because I think – now, I do not know any sourcing or no reporting or anything like this. Whenever I look at it, this is what it looks like to me. Lane Kiffin is trying to do lot right by Luke Altmaier. He, he wants him to have the tape. So if he, wants, if he gets out of here in December, which if he loses the job, he will. There will at least be some tape of him playing early in the season against Central Arkansas that could help him. I think he wants to do right by it. I think Jackson Dart is going to end up getting a job. I'm not rooting for Jackson Dart. Um, I could be totally wrong. But it all goes down to, like, in the preseason, I never heard one story saying that Luke Altmaier can win the job. Nobody talked like that. It's almost to the point where if Luke Altmaier does win the job, you just can't believe anything that you're hearing in ball camp. I mean, that's where we're at right now. Yeah, I kind of agree with you there, Stephen. Uh, You know, if you listen to – Lane and all that. I, I went back and watched the game yesterday, I think it was, and uh, I didn't realize that this plan was already in place before the Troy game actually started. You know, they they were actually talking about it before kickoff on the tele on the broadcast and also, uh, yeah, it, it does kind of have that feel to it. Um, but I'm like you, I I think Dart is the one that's going to end up coming away with it. Uh, kind of going back to what Chase was asking about if Dart will play more or not. Uh, one part of 
Kiffin's press conference that, that kind of explained a little bit of that was the fact that, you know, in the second half, talked about he wanted to establish the passing game with Dart in there mm-hmm. and all since they had the lead. And uh, then with Altmaier, he wanted to get him more drives. But then you had that pick by Jackson Dart, and he talked about the how he's so big on the psyche of the quarterback that want the last play to be an interception. And so he ran him back out there again. And then Luke's first drive, you know, got lost on the – uh, fumbled snap at the very beginning there. Uh, so he, he did say that he wanted to get him more series. He just wasn't able to Saturday. Yeah, I think that um, Jackson Dart may be someone that's just a little bit too hard on himself sometimes. After he threw the option, like two or three passes later, was the really bad overthrow on third down. After you know Jackson Dart had a chance to get right, there was that overthrow. And I think that was his last pass of the game. And I think he gets into his own head a little bit. He kind of needs that mentality of a cornerback to where it just flows out of his mind. He, the last pass didn't happen. And I think it, I think quicksand, as Shane Falco would say in the replacements, is a possibility with Jackson Dart, at least right now. I mean, that's just what I see in that first game because Jackson – he actually played well. He missed on a couple of deep balls, but that's nothing unusual. He had a stretch of like 13 to 17. Um, it, it was just that interception followed by the next series, that overthrow on third down that everybody kind of remembers. But before that, he actually played pretty well. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, you know, that's uh, Jackson did play well. You know, uh, it's it's making those throws that are, or, or seeing him throw those kind of balls that – that make you think that he has that kind of upside to where you think he could take this to another level if he's able to hit it. You know, I mean, Matt Corral wasn't all that good as a freshman, second-year player, you know, at Ole Miss either. You know, this this is a 19-year-old kid. They're both 19-year-old kids. There's there's going to be growing pains to to expect anybody mm-hmm. to come out and be anything resembling what we have were lucky enough to see these last two years with Matt Corral. I, I think it's a little unfair to the two quarterbacks we have, uh, but at the same time, you know, we're – the way he's got this offense built around this running game and this offensive line, you know, I mean, he, he does have the luxury to be able to lean on them a lot more to, to where Jackson or Luke, whoever ends up winning the job, doesn't have to be Matt Corral and, and have to show that kind of downfield ability that Matt showed several, several times a game every time he stepped on the field for us. But it's also, people need to remember, Matt Corral's first start, he went 9 of 19 and lost to Memphis. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, the, 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 the following year was the Cal game, right? It, wasn't that the, the – No, no, the, the, that year was the Cal game. The, oh, okay. He got hurt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 That was the first game of that season. So, three games later, he got hurt, and John Rice Plumley came in and yeah. took that over. Um, but it, one start is not indicative of what somebody can be. That That's kind of my point. Yeah. Um, I do think that Luke Altmaier is going to get a shot. I um, I talked to Mike Espy and Bill Flowers on the post game show this past weekend, right after the um, right after the Troy game, and they said they didn't think Luke Altmaier was going to get a fair shot. And when former players start talking about all the politics involved with players, I, my ears perk up. I'm listening because yeah. I've been in that hallway, and they think this competition has been decided, and they don't agree necessarily with this happening because they think that Jackson Dart getting those reps against Central Arkansas would help him more than a faux competition because they, they don't necessarily believe it is. Now, I don't know if I am there, but whenever they say politics and the whole thing of 
needing a five-star Gatorade National Player of the Year to play um, for future transfers, if you want to be the transfer to the SIP person, Jackson Dart almost has to win this job, or else Jackson Dart made a mistake by coming here, which will hurt the brand of transfer to the SIP. I agree 100% with you. I think there's a lot of pressure on Dart to win this job for that reason. Uh, High-profile transfer comes in, and if he loses the job, you know, that could hurt the program as far as transfers are concerned down the road. Yeah. Um, Derek, you got any thoughts on it? Uh, No, I I, I just totally agree with everything you said. Uh, I I think that goes – kind of back to what I was saying earlier about him wanting somebody to win the job, but if somebody doesn't come and take it, then, I mean, you almost have to go with Jackson for that very reason because, you know, that's he's, he's kind of shown that's how he's going to start building these teams. And, you know, you you have to be creative at Ole Miss to recruit and get these, these top-level talents. You know, Stephen, you you know that. Like you said, you've, you've been in those hallways. You kind of know how it works a little bit over there. Um, and to lane them's credit, you know, they – this transfer portal and all popped up and, you know, they said, Hey, this is another Avenue where we can go get, you know, these four and five star guys that maybe not be happy with their playing time or something like that, whatever's going on at the other school and thought, you know, Hey, we, we can build our roster with these guys. So it it has to be in the back of their mind, knowing that they're probably going to lean on it so heavily going forward to get those kind of guys. So it's, it's kind of added pressure for Luke to actually go take the job and, you know, if, if he doesn't, then, you know, I think Jackson is going to end up being our guy. And kind of like both of y'all said already tonight, though, you know, I, I don't care who, who wins the quarterback job. I, I couldn't care less. You know, I, I, I watch Ole Miss football every Saturday to watch them win. I don't care what the name is on the back of the jersey. You know, I, I want to go see us win as many games as we can and hopefully get to Atlanta one of these days. Yeah, um, Lane Kiffin is from the Pete Carroll tree. That is his dominant upbringing. And – the key aspect of the Pete Carroll, and this is something I saw every day with Ed Orgeron. He just almost just went own way and didn't know how to do it whenever I walked those halls. Uh, but it's, this is, I guarantee you, it's the same thing. Lane Kiffin will do whatever it takes to win, period. He will do whatever it takes to win. He hates to lose. It's that peak mentality that was developed way back when with Matt Liner and Lindell White and Reggie Bush was running sidelines and making big plays, and they were winning national titles. And I do agree with Bill a little bit. Now, that being said, I do agree with – the only way that Luke Altmyer is going to be the starting quarterback this season is if he clearly wins the job. So whenever I say things, Luke gets his shot in my um, on my show tomorrow. It's titled Luke Gets His Shot because that's absolutely the case because Luke needs to go out there and wow people. Even though it's Central Arkansas, which – that may have been why Lane picked Central Arkansas for that start to happen. So that even if he goes out and goes 25 for 32 for 275 and three touchdowns, you can still say, well, it's Central Arkansas. Yeah. That's, and you can do whatever you need. For. That's what I was going to ask you. Uh, I think we can all agree that Central Arkansas is nowhere, not even close really to the same level as Troy. So what happens if, uh, Luke goes out there and throws for 250 and two or three touchdowns in the first half against UCA. Uh, what happens is Lane is creating himself a headache. Um, I yeah. think he has an idea of what he wants to happen, 
and what he expects to happen. And I think he expects that um, Luke's going to go out and perform a certain way to show everybody that, hey, this is not a far thing, so you can't really blame me for playing this guy because either one of them is going to have growing this year. So it's going to be a little bit of like after seeing Matt Corral, after the first week with Jackson Dart, there's so many people that was comparing him to Matt Corral in 2021. And you just want to go, wait, is this, is this real life? Is this a real thing? Were you really expecting this kid to be like a third round NFL pick just immediately? And that bothers me. The, the unrealistic expectations of our fan base. And I'm not saying we can't win 10 games because I potentially think we can, but to do that, you need an AJ McCarron at quarterback. You don't need a Matt Corral. You need a Greg McElroy back there. And as long as they don't th- do silly things that can get you beat, Zach Evans and Quinshawn Judkins, those monsters in the backfield are going to be able to do their thing. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Stephen. That's you know, kind of like we talked about earlier. I mean, it's, it's going to look a lot different. It doesn't mean the results can't be the same as far as wins and losses go. Uh, but everybody's just gotten so spoiled on the way – that it's looked the past couple years. And, you know, it's this year, if we're going to get to where we want to go, we just got to make sure we don't turn the ball over. That's what the quarterback can't do. Don't turn the ball over and just feed that three-headed monster you got back there in the backfield. Because I'm telling you, that's that's a really, really special group we got back there this year. Mm-hmm. We have excellent wide receivers, tight ends. If, it, honestly, Ole Miss is in a position this year that Texas A&M was last year. 21 out of two, 22 positions are exactly where you want it to be. And it's going to come down to that quarterback position. Haynes King got injured last year for A&M. And they had to put in Calzada, who is, good grief, like third string at Auburn right now. Um, and it, it kind of, things kind of fell apart, but they were still good enough to go eight and four. If we get any kind of production out of the quarterback position, you have a chance to have a special season. And they, they would honestly deserve it. I mean, they have a chance to be really good. Yeah, yeah, they really do. And, you know, kind of transition off the quarterback real quick, kind of one reason we can be really good is how good this defense can be, the infusion of talent. You you talked about it all offseason, the differences in how many four-stars we've brought in from last year to this year. Um, you know, they've, they've really, really built up that defense and brought in a lot of talent there. And, you know, there was a lot of guys that looked really good Saturday on that side of the ball. Yeah, and, and they, could, they could legitimately throw up a fin. You remember back in 2018, whenever – they almost did it sarcastically. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. a, a 42 to 10 game against them. Yeah. Somebody makes a tackle for a loss, they throw up a pin. You're like, no, no, don't do that. Yeah. yeah this, but then you gen- yeah, yeah. against Troy, you got genuinely excited by it. Yeah. yeah. Because it, it, it felt like they earned it. They deserved it a little bit. And yeah, I, I'm pretty I'm pretty excited about what this defense can be. I wasn't looking at it. And one thing I noticed is we have like a double hybrid defense. I know. And, and it's, it's really interesting to look at. But they go between 3-2-6, a 3-3-5, and a 4-2-5, depending on where Kari Coleman and Otis Risa play. Mm-hmm. And Otis can do that because he's 220 pounds. Kari can do that because he's got defensive end. He's learned some tricks of the trade. Mm-hmm. And those, that right there means you can have the same personnel group and just confuse the hell out of the opposing quarterback because they don't know what's coming. They don't know – where Kari Coleman's going to line up and what he's going to do. Like you could, you could three, two, six and drop eight. And, and they sit in here, do it from a look where it's a four, two, five, and you just don't expect it. It's almost like his own blitz. And 
offensive line can get confused, and you got quickness like J.J. McGee's, and you got Jared Ivey and Cedric yeah. Johnson, and those guys up front. There's a chance they can eat this year, man. They, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's there's a real good chance for them. Kind of piggybacking off of your your Otis Reese point. You know, you you got another one just like him in Tennyson. You can throw in there that mm-hmm. that can step up. And I mean, he's. He's a guy that just brings the wood every time he's up in the box, but he can also drop back and give you a little bit of help on the backside too if you need it. So there's a lot of different ways personnel-wise where they can plug people in there. They can play multiple positions, um, and you can run multiple defenses out of it, and that's kind of the big part, especially in today's college football, all the hurry-up offense and stuff like that. Offenses wanting to go, 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 go when you don't have time to substitute. So, mm-hmm. you know, you put all these big athletic guys out there that can – do multiple things for you and not have to worry about substitution and getting caught in a bad matchup. Yeah, if, if drop eight's not working and you're in a three, two, six, and it's just not working the way it's set up, you don't have to wait if they get into a tempo situation. You can go straight to a four-man front, Yeah, do linebackers, and not really miss a beat. It, it, it's kind of impressive. I saw this against Troy, and I thought about it. Nobody was talking about it, and it, it's almost a situation just like last year to where a new defense was created for the first game and nobody knew anything about it. Yeah, it was it was one of my biggest takeaways from Saturday is how impressed I was with the defense and, and all the different guys they have to that they can throw in there to, to play multiple multiple positions for us, play multiple defenses. Uh it's it's gonna be a real big luxury when we get into SEC play and, and you know, Austin Keys and Troy Brown back there at linebacker, you know, and you, you end up losing two NFL guys with Chance Campbell and Mark Robinson and you know, those, those guys stepped up, and they, they played awfully well Saturday for us. Yeah, yeah. And then you had Kari Coleman. You had Ashanti <laughs> Seastrong. Yeah. Um, and and the, those guys. And all of a sudden, there's some depth at linebacker. And they, you heard all offseason how the problem spot for the Ole Miss team could be the linebacker position. And yeah. that appears defensively to be not necessarily a weak point. Now, I say this. Troy is not a very good offensive team. No, they're not. They're, they are not good at running the football. They tried. God bless them. Yeah. But they had 60 yards rushing the football, and that was by trying to run the football. Whenever yeah. they fell way behind and had to error, yeah, you know, they were they were trying stuff out on defense just like the offense was on the other side. Because that game was over. It was never in doubt. It was never uncomfortable. No, no. no. That's why you thing, can have thing, it did. Yeah, yeah, the same thing's going to happen against UCF. Yeah. Or else we'll have a different conversation. Oh Lord, yeah, we are. No, you know, but 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 again, kind of kind of like you're saying there, though. It's it's not how they looked against who we played. It was how multiple they can be, and you know, if you've watched football long enough, you you can turn on any game. It doesn't matter who the opponent is, and you can spot dudes on the field. You know, you you can spot athleticism. I mean, some some guys look like they're just shot out of a cannon coming off the line. Uh, you know, those those are things you can spot regardless who the opponent is. And, and that stuff that you saw Saturday that, you know, you saw a little bit of it last year with some of the guys they brought in. But it's been a while since we've had dudes like that on that side of the ball. Yeah, and you have Aisheem I- Young and Tysheem Johnson on the back. They're, they're, they're yeah. playing those two back safeties. And Tysheem had 12 tackles Saturday and looked yeah. extremely impressive doing it. But their emergence allowed Otis Reese to go into a box safety, him on one side, tennis on the other. And just mm-hmm. you have A.J. Finley and – Aishim and Taishim back deep. And all of a sudden, the back part of that defense is unbelievably solid. Oh, it, it's an yeah. absolute bear. I'm glad you brought up A.J. Finley. That's where I was going next. You know, I mean, he, he outside of Campbell and Robinson, might have been our best defensive player last year. You know, he's he's really come along, become a really good player for us. And, you know, but we've sat here and named four 
quote unquote safeties before we ever talked about him tonight. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that's the kind of you need in this league. And I mean, they're they're absolutely loaded on the back end. Yeah, and Miles Battle got his interception for the second straight game because if you remember correctly, he had an unbelievable pick um, in the Sugar Bowl as well. Um, oh yeah, yeah, and Dave Snake Manusen uh, had a great debut. Um, I saw John DeAndre Prince. Yeah, they they played a lot of people. Yeah, they played a lot of people, and and Lane treated it almost like an NFL preseason game. And I harped on this for a month that we only had two scrimmages, two real scrimmages, to where you can look at people and make decisions. And whenever I was working, I think there was one year we had five, and 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 we have two. And if you understand coaches. Coaches are unbelievably risk-adverse people. They are unbelievably slow decision-makers. So two scrimmages is not enough. If you want to know what happened with the defense in 2020 when Lane and DJ Durkin took over, there was no spring. There was no fall camp. There was not any film that they could make a decision off of, and they just had to guess and and, and project players. And they picked the wrong guys. And by the midseason, when that film caught up and that decision-making caught up, they had the right people in place, and the defense actually wasn't horrible. But at the beginning of the year, it was one of the worst defenses I've ever seen. And that is because coaches are incredibly risk-adverse and increased slow decision-makers. Steven, I kind of wanted to elaborate on something y'all were talking about a while ago. Just, okay. I don't think the casual fans really understand they didn't get a dose of everything on defense. We didn't show a lot of stuff. There were no stunts. There were no blitzes. And that's what's exciting, just in my opinion, and forward is uh, we've got a lot to show yet. And I think there's a lot of things that the defensive staff held back on uh, that's really going to impress some folks in the, in the future with some of those guys y'all mentioned. Yeah, absolutely, and I do believe it was incredibly basic in week one, and it's going to be incredibly basic this week. I think against Georgia Tech, we might show a wrinkle or two more because it's a road game and a Power 5 team. And I think against Tulsa, you might see a little bit more too because I think Tulsa is a little bit – they might be our best non-conference opponent. All to get ready. But once Kentucky comes out, it's full speed ahead at that point. And, I mean, you need to be ready to go everything clear by the time the Kentucky Wildcats come in on campus. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. If not, your life will get run out of your own stadium. That's that's a really good football team. I'm I'm actually really excited for that game uh, uh, Saturday night with them in Florida. That one's that one's going to be a good one. Yeah, that should be a lot of fun. Um, Alabama and Texas at noon. Can't wait for that. An Alabama road game. How how often do you see Alabama play road games? Like true road you don't games. See very many true road games. No, yeah. you, you get all neutral sites and all that. No, not not a whole lot of true road games and. Uh, Man, yeah, I'm I'm really excited about that too, not because I think it's going to be a, a barn burner or a close game or a chance Alabama can get beat, but for whatever reason, I've just kind of really enjoyed over the last several years uh, watching Texas just getting destroyed, and they they are in for a long, long day come Saturday. Texas and Tennessee, right? Those, yes. Those, yeah. The UT are the behind back schools. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably going to have to get me a, a Dan Marino pit jersey shipped in here before the game Saturday. <laughs> Seriously. Um, speaking of which, by the way, talking about Pitt, this is off the top of it, but their gold, it, it wasn't that yellow color whenever they had that. They had like a weird gold color, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was almost like a, like a shiny pewter type thing. 
Yeah, it was like the 49ers gold almost. Yeah, and, yeah. and, now, and now they have like an LSU yellow pit helmet. And I don't ever remember seeing a pit team, either the throwback uniforms, wearing those colors. Yeah, but these are much better, though. That that, that blue and yellow looks a lot better than what oh, they no, did. Oh, I'm, I'm not saying it doesn't. It just yeah. that, gold, that gold that they had was so distinctive. Yeah. Like, as soon as you saw that pit helmet, you knew exactly who on the field because nobody else had that. Yeah, yeah. But at least they're back to being pit. You remember whenever they had, like, the identity crisis years to where they wanted to Pittsburgh? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, those those always tickle me when when universities want to start changing their name that everybody knows them by, and they're just gonna completely rebrand and just expect everybody to pick up on it. Yeah, hey, that's kind of like, like a ULL wanting to be Louisiana now. They they get so mad when you say Louisiana Lafayette. No, we're the University of Louisiana. No, dude, you're you're ULL to me. Yeah, but that one is funny to me, um, and, and maybe Chase is on there the same way, but. Them calling themselves the University of Louisiana is a direct shot at LSU. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I enjoy that portion of it. Oh, Speak, man. Speaking of LSU, how about uh, how about that game the other night? Wow. Oh, my goodness. LSU and Auburn might compete for seventh, seventh in the West. Yep. Yeah, they're uh... – their quarterback play lacks a lot to be desired right now. They're, those offenses are, are really in trouble, it looks like. Yeah, it, LSU's offense reminded me of um, Ole Miss intramurals. <laughs> it, it, honestly, just snap the ball and let the quarterback run. That, yeah. That was their offense. Yeah, their, their offense always... was – the offense was bad, but how about the special teams? Oof. Oh, that was Nebraska-level bad special teams. Oh, my yeah, goodness. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, my goodness. Goodness, just anything that could go wrong did. At least they didn't fumble a kickoff return, I guess. And um, yeah, it could I be that, first, technically. Yeah, yeah, I love that Florida State had a wide receiver named Pookie. Look, talk, talking about Florida State, man, it is an absolute travesty that Mike Norvell didn't have to answer questions about why he ran a toss to the right <laughs> up by seven with a minute left when all he had to do was play it safe that field goal in that game. Yeah, I think both of the schools in that game sold their soul for their last national championship because is there any team over the last five years that just has worse luck than Florida State? Anything yeah. that can go wrong does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> real shame, real shame. Yeah, but um, Jordan Travis, they showed him um, over and over, and there's like these smiles. That kid was having fun. <laughs> and, and now they're going to go 4-5-0, or five and oh, and they have a chance for a decent season. The game could mean something, actually. Yeah, well, it may mean something going into it. I'm, I ain't buying into Florida State quite yet after them sneaking out there with a one-point win against <laughs> that LSU team the way they look. They're, they may end up four or five no to start the season, but that's that's just going to make the, the end of it a lot harder for them. The only downside is, like you said, Mike Norvell didn't have to answer those questions because uh, last year, if you remember, the season opener was the Jacksonville State Hail Mary where all you had to do was just push the guy out of bounds. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> they're so poorly coached it's unreal and and you know it's kind of funny thinking back when we had made the change from matt luke and went through our coaching search and all you heard was you've got to go get mike norvell you got to get norvell i think we may come out on the right end of that one well okay here's the flip side of that jimbo fisher broke florida state so badly yeah 
And then Willie Taggart did not help it at all. And you had multiple systems going back and forth. Mm -hmm. Florida State was a hard job when he took it. It was much harder than ours. And we were coming off probation and Matt Mm -hmm. Luke and, you know, all of that. But Florida State, they had to completely rebuild their offensive line. And it's just now starting to get serviceable. After five years of Jimbo being gone, the offensive line is just now getting serviceable. Yeah, yeah. They're almost Auburn. That's the other thing. Auburn's so weird on the offensive front. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's that's kind of odd for Auburn. You know, you, you always at least think about them being so good in the trenches year in and year out with the way they recruit. You know, they, they always have those guys, and, uh, you know, they just don't seem to have it on the offensive side of the ball as far as the line goes this year. Uh, defensive line's really good. I think they could be one of the best in the SEC. They looked really good. Uh, the weird one is you're always used to when you watch LSU – seeing that dude in the backfield that can just tote the rock and go get you 150. And, you know, I, I don't know if they got that this year. So that's that's kind of weird to see this year, too. Yeah. They got John Amory, who was suspended for the game. Yeah. Um, but he, he could be that dude. But he's not special. I mean, it's not he's not like a Leonard Fournette or a, um, even a Justin Benson back in the backfield. Uh, Certain, yeah. Certainly not a Cecil the Diesel Hunts back there. There we go. There uh, we go. Back a little bit, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you know, he—he's just a dude. He honestly, I would compare Johnny Emery. I think he would compare favorably to um, Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. Oh, the law firm. That's my man, right? There. I actually, got a signed football sitting in the living room from him right now. Um, it, it's just not a game breaker. He's not a typical LSU back. But if you hand it to him twenty-five times, he's going to get one hundred and ten yards. Yeah, 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 yes. Yeah. And look, that's. That's valuable, you know. I mean, those, those are guys that, that you can at least count on. You know, it's nothing flashy or anything like that. But uh, but you know what you're getting week in and week out from them, at least. Yeah, LSU's office line is terrible. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I actually saw a, uh, I saw a list today of updated quarterback rankings in the SEC, ranked 1 to 14. Mm-hmm. And they had Jaden Daniels at LSU ranked ahead of Jackson Dart. <laughs> Blew my mind. A lot of that is just public perception. It's just public perception. They're they're using that grading curve of how good um, did Jackson Dart do versus how good Matt Corral have done. Yeah, and that's just so unfair. It's it's not fair to the kids. And I'm I'm trying on my show to not give in to that because there are groups of people that are just rooting for a quarterback. And I saw this whenever Corral and Plumlee happened three years ago. Yeah, it's, it's very similar. Yeah, the fan base would just fracture. Yeah. And, and that's one of the reasons I say root for the help logo on the side of the helmet, not a particular quarterback. Yeah. Well, you and, know, if, if it – whenever it gets settled, if they win games, then the fan base will come around to whoever's winning the games just like they did with Matt Corral, you know. But it's – I just can't stress enough to people, and I, I tell it to anybody that I talk to, is you're not seeing Matt Corral out on that field this year. At yeah. any point – it doesn't matter from the Troy game all the way to the state game to the bowl game. Whoever wins it, they're they're going to improve throughout the year. That's what these young kids do. They're both incredibly talented. But by the end of the year, they're still not going to be Matt Corral. You have to get that out of your head. It's yeah. not what you see this year. Yeah, and before we get out of here, this year is about maximizing the quarterback position. Whoever wins that job, maximize that because 2023 has a chance to be the year when Ole Miss competes. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we could be really, really good next year. If, you know, you if you get that jump that you always see with these young quarterbacks, you know, and 
so yeah, I, I, I totally agree. 2023 could could be a really special year for us, and and you never know if you know if we end up getting the right quarterback in in place this year, and we run the offense the way that Lane knows that he needs to run it this year. I mean, the the backs are so special this year that I mean. They could still be so, so good controlling the game with those three backs behind that offensive line as long as the quarterback just doesn't turn it over and, you know, take a few shots a game. You know, if, if we can just have somebody take the top off the defense every now and then to, to keep the back end of the defense honest or they got to play back a little bit and go give those running backs any kind of room, I mean, it, it can still be a very explosive offense. Yeah, got, got to hit those deep balls or else the safeties are going to sink down and those RPOs behind the linebackers aren't going to be there. Yeah. Um, anyway, thank you, Chase, by the way. We'll make you by name for stopping by our space. Um, we'll be back next Tuesday to talk about Georgia Tech. I might see if um, somebody from Georgia Tech wants to come in next week and be in these spaces. Really enjoyed it, you two, Stephen and Derek. And by the way, yes. I'm going to be in Atlanta for that Georgia Tech game, and I cannot wait. Go Rebs. Hey, oh, um, there we go. Yeah, if you haven't um, seen the video, I did a history video of why Georgia Tech is not in the SEC right now. Not why they left, why they didn't come back in and weren't allowed back in. Um, you can check that out on the YouTube channel if you want to. It's, it's I got sure will, Steve. Yeah. Now, Sounds good. That video, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> in, anyway, um, y'all take care, and um, I'm Tony, guys. All right, appreciate it, Steve. Have a good one, Chase. Y'all have a good night. All right, night. you too.